welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm John Sierra Reinecker, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today, we're talking about publishing and hip-hop, so to speak about that more, we've got Jennifer Drake with us. Jennifer is Senior Director of A&R for Sony ATV Music Publishing. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining us. Sure. So let's talk about, or let's start by talking a little bit about the role of a music publisher, because there are so many misconceptions here. Can you explain what a music publisher is and what services they provide for music creators? Sure. So music publishing is basically, well, part of my role as a music publisher is to seek out and it's like acquisition based. And it's also um, utilization of catalogs. So what we do on a basic level is I would seek out songwriters or artists with a high volume of market share. Anything with songs on the radio where they have a percentage, where they own a writer share or a producer share. Um, And then what we do, we sign them and we seek to capitalize on their catalog. So we actively find ways to diversify their catalog by putting their music in TV and film, so sync licenses, or you know, pitching their songs to artists so that they can make an album, become a single, get on the radio. Um, we monetize off of streaming. We monetize off of any time uh, a record or song is played in a in a public space. We essentially monetize off of that. So it's really twofold. It's seeking opportunities for our roster of songwriters in their catalog, and then also acquiring songwriters who are out in the marketplace, you know, sort of exploiting their, their product. Gotcha. That's sort of on a basic level what we do. (laughs) Got it. Got it. So you currently work as senior director of A&R at Sony ATV. And I know you talked a little bit about your responsibilities on the last answer there. Um, But kind of walk us through like what your day to day is like, because I'm sure no day is the same. So kind of explain. (laughs) It's shenanigans some days, John Sierra. It's shenanigans. Like some days I walk in and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great day. And then I hear my writer burned a vocal booth down or something crazy like that. I mean, it's just literally everything from A to Z. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, we're pitching records um, for, for active projects. So if we know part of our job is information. So if we, we want to maintain relationships with ARs, with other publishers to sort of find out what artists are recording, recording for their album projects, what labels have going on, and we actively pitch songs for those projects. In addition to that, you know, we're setting up sessions. So let's just say if a uh, Ray Streamer is uh, working on on their album, then what we would seek to do is send producers over to play them beats so that they can maybe get on their get on their projects. So anything from, you know, um, setting up sessions to pitching records to, you know, uh, resolving splits, um, split disputes, anything like that. It's sort of like we do creative, but we also do administrative. So making sure that the back end of the business has been handled so that we can actually actually collect on records that are in the marketplace. So it's kind of like in a nutshell. Yeah. But every day it's different. It could, yeah. be, it could be, be crazy. You know, anything from, from traveling to sending writers to London to work with, I don't know, Sam Smith maybe. Just could be anything from A to Z, really. Got it. Okay. So Sony ATV... Uh, let's talk a little bit about the roster. You guys have an incredible um, roster of talent, including Grammy-nominated rapper Cardi B, who you yeah, signed. Congratulations. By her. the way, I heard this announcement on The Breakfast Club getting ready for work. I'm like, 
Jen, what? So you had this huge <laughs> announcement. So I was like, oh my God, that's super, super, super dope. So that was really dope, Angela. That was yeah. so dope, Angela. Yeah, she looked yeah. out. <laughs> she did. She did. It's so funny because I did a panel with her um, through Boss Up and Janae Bolden, who's lovely, and she's always, you know, making sure that women have a voice in in music. And, you know, part of being a publisher and AR is also staying um staying current with what's happening in the culture and just staying up on you know just staying up on what's happening on the street level corporate level um so knowledge is power like they say it's so cliche but it's really true and a lot of times i'll listen to the breakfast club i'll you know i'll go on websites seeking any bits of information to kind of see who out there is sort of buzzing who's bubbling who can i go after and like cardi b i just loved her instagram i would like watch stalk her instagram page like if you want to put up all the videos that she says but you can't do it but um so actually was listening to the breakfast club on a regular basis just kind of getting bits and pieces of information about artists that i'm pursuing and it's helpful any bit of information is helpful so i actually shared that with angela and she was like hey that's really cool so i just that was a nice shout out cool cool beans so when you're looking for talent um, or scouting new talent, what key attributes do you look for in talent? Oh, that's a great question, John Thier. <laughs> that's such a great question. You know, you have those questions for us. Listen. Those questions, yeah. Um, I would say it's that feeling. You know that feeling that you get when you connect to something that feels so real and authentic and it resonates? within you and like, you know, I always take it back to the spiritual side, right? Where it's like that inner voice that sort of speaks to you or like the hairs on your neck stand up or you find yourself singing a song after you've heard it like two days later or you're just like, you're thinking about it and it, or you keep coming back to it. It's just that feeling that you get that that music gives you, that, that, that you know, memory that it takes you back to, that, you know, the way that it makes you feel positive or you just can that connection to it. So it's really hard to like pinpoint exactly what it is other than to say, it's really just being in tune with the way it makes you feel. Cause that's what music is about, right? That feeling. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all fans. So being a fan of the music, it's like what you connect to also. And then also staying with, staying in tune with the younger generation like the kids will always tell you what's going to be that next thing because they're always connected to the to the culture you know right absolutely so let's go a little bit back i know we kind of talked a little bit about key attributes but i kind of want to break this down a little bit more in regards to like hip-hop so besides obviously having talent um what do you think are some key attributes that an artist should possess to have a successful publishing career in hip-hop that work ethic. I, you should be, every time I see you, talk to you, you are just, you are grinding, you are working, you're outworking everyone around you because the talent is amazing. Um, talent will get you in the door, but that work ethic will keep you growing, moving forward, connect you with other people, you know, um, connect you with other artists, connect you just in a, in a public, you know, a public arena, you'll get sort of that exposure with just just that really, really strong work ethic. So definitely that work ethic. 
also, you know, that charisma, that it factor, that spark where you where you're in the presence and you feel you feel that energy. So I'm definitely big on energy and connecting to that. So I'd say work ethic, the charisma, you know, it always starts with the music, having those really great collaborations, you know, trying different producers, trying um, co-writes with other songwriters so that you get that that really quality product that people can, you know, identify with. We love Drake because he's honest and he's real. He's tangible. We can feel it. It's like, it's authentic. So that authenticity. So I would say like, those would be a few of the qualities I will look for. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about independent artists um, because oftentimes there's that sort of that stereotype that they don't have enough access and they're trying to get to that access. So with regard to independent artists, how can they garner publishing success? Like, are there any opportunities that come to mind which they could take advantage of? I mean, access nowadays, like I could see 20 years ago people saying they don't have enough access, but the internet is like, the internet, Instagram. I mean, if I want to get my eyelashes done in another city, I just go look on Instagram. It's yeah. like you can find everything in the world on Instagram. So through utilizing, you know, all the digital platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Instagram, um, Facebook, you know, there's so many outlets nowadays. And then, you know, we always, because we come from, you and I come from a PRO background, I always say that grassroots level too of like utilizing the performance rights organizations, you know, making sure that you're at networking events, making sure that you attend showcases, making sure that you, you know, you're, you're in the studio, you're meeting people, you're hustling, you're just, it's like all of the above. And then your team is really important. Having the right team is something, another quality that I look for because an artist can't, a songwriter or producer can't do it on them on their own. They have to have the support of really good people who are knowledgeable. And it's so important to have the right team around you that really knows what they're doing and can help sort of take your craft to the next level. So I would say those, those things come to mind like initially. Yeah. Cool. So you've mentioned a little bit about like social media. So let's kind of go back and talk a little bit about how that kind of plays a role in your search for talent. Um, do you tend to pay more attention to artists who have a large number of followers on social media? I, I, I wouldn't say, I would say that would be maybe like the third or fourth category I look at because <clears throat> talent is talent, right? But you definitely, I would say, getting down the road once you've sort of assessed like, okay, this artist is really good. Their music is really great. Their, their, um, their sparkle, their it factor is there. And like, you know, they have the right team. Then you go down and you look at the number of people who follow them because maybe it's just like, maybe it's really just still new and at that grassroots level, but the promise is there. So I think like, that would be maybe like the fourth or the fifth thing I look at. It wouldn't be like the initial thing I would assess, but definitely wanting to understand their content, their image, like videos they have out. What are they saying? What are they portraying? Like, you know, there's this movement in hip hop right now with like the tattoos and the lean and the drugs and all that. And that's, 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 you know, that has its own place, I would say. But at some level, I'm going to look past like the guns and the lean and like see what substance is there that's, that can carry you long term because there's 
there's the now movement, but then there's also that, you know, Kendrick Lamar space where you know you're going to have years and years of evolution as an artist. So, you know, looking at their content is probably a little more important to me than like their the number of followers they would have. So you mentioned um, just now Kendrick Lamar. When I think about Kendrick, we obviously think of hits. We think of his success in yeah. the industry. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about hit songs. How okay. would you define a hit song? Do you believe lyrical content is the most important factor in creating a hit song? Ooh, that's a great, I mean, another <laughs> great question. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> I definitely think, you know, once you get past the vibe of a song and the way it makes you feel, you know, it's always like maybe I'm listening to a record that comes out. I'm like really engaged in it. I'm feeling the beat. And then I might catch a word. I'm like, ooh, that's great. You know, <laughs> wow. Like now I'm getting a picture in my head of like a, a, a story playing out in front of me through the lyrics of that record. You know, so I would say like a beat is just a beat. But with lyrics on it, it's actually it's actually a picture that I can digest and process that I can actually connect a little bit further to. Because you can vibe out to like a Jay-Z beat, like an old school Jay-Z beat. You're like, oh, this is popping. But with his lyrics on it, you're just, it takes you to another place. You get a picture like cough up a lung, where I'm from, Marcy, son, ain't nothing nice. Like I see the picture in my head. I see Mar Marcy ain't nothing nice. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can feel that beat like going, but you need those lyrics. They're so important, you know? So... I would say I would say both, but the lyrics like take it over the top. Yeah, that being able to tell that story and paint that picture is probably the most important thing as a publisher that we look for because there's always a ton of of beat makers, producers, composers out there, which they they are so important. But finding a great lyricist who can write to those to to that production is like that's what everybody's looking for. Yeah, everyone's looking for that. So let's backtrack for a moment. How did you get your start in the industry and how did you end up at Sony? Oh, goodness. OK, the <laughs> short version is I started as I started. Well, and my degree is in political science. I went to Clark Atlanta. Um, I went to work for the government right out of college. And I just I was like, this isn't for me. I hated it. I was going back to school to get my master's. And one day I woke up and I decided that I was going to quit my job and drop out of school and go work for DJ Drama. So I called my parents and I said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm dropping out of school. And they were like, okay, like you're, you flash your mind. All right, cool. Oh, by the way, I'm also just quit my job because I'm going to work for DJ Drama. They were like, you know what? You've officially <laughs> lost your mind. But I had to follow my heart and my intuition at the time. And so I went to work for Drama. Um, you know, producing events for him. I worked on his first album, Gangsta Girls, the album. Um, you know, I brought, I sort of helped facilitate talent for his, both of his radio shows at the time. He had his serious satellite radio show and his radio show on Hot 97, Hot 10, Hot, hot in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from there, I had the opportunity to go work for Orlando McGee at Warner Brothers Records. And the first project I worked on there was um, as his assistant, as a coordinator, was Gucci Mane's The State Versus Roger Davis album. And that was when I sort of fell in love with songwriters because part of my role was to, you know, bring producers by the studio to play him beats and, and set up the right co-writes, as we call, or sessions. 
And I really just fell in love with the process of, you know, the songwriting and the stories that happen behind the scenes that led to these amazing songs that we hear on the radio. There's so many like crazy, amazing stories that happen in the process of making an album, in the process of making a song. And that just really connected with me. So at the time, um, I became familiar with uh, Mike Will because Gucci was the one who sort of discovered Mike Will made it. Um, in addition, we had J-Rock, who is signed to TDE, signed at Warner Brothers Records at the time. So Potch, Punch and Top Dog and all those guys used to call the phone all the time. And that's sort of when I became familiar with Kendrick Lamar. So fast forward, um, in between working with some different songwriters and sort of freelancing, I made my way to ASCAP. Um, which is a performance rights organization that songwriters are registered for, which is where I met John Sear. <laughs> and um, we eventually signed Kendrick Lamar to ASCAP and Mike Will and, you know, um, like John Sear signed Lecrae and all these amazing songwriters who we had the chance to work with. And I think from there, I helped to create a bidding war for Mike Will. So I actually sent him to meet with different publishers and different people in the business in New York and LA and really sort of helped develop him on the business side. And he in turn helped to develop me, which led me to publishing. So I got my first shot at Universal Music Publishing, um, signed Childish Major there, um, signed like one or two other acts, and then eventually came to Sony and signed. Khalid was my first signing um, Cardi B, and then I have several developmental um, songwriters right now who are really amazing and incredible, um, who are just making their mark. A 19-year-old kid, Mike Sabbath, who is a pop, pop songwriter and producer, and he's just doing incredibly well working with Maroon 5 and a bunch of other people. So it's been an amazing journey. Um, it's definitely not an easy road and definitely need that perseverance. And, you know, some days are tougher than others. But, you know, those stories, being in the studio with Mike Will and Kendrick Lamar when they when he made Humble, I can't having signed both of them to ASCAP, I can't even tell you how that makes me feel and how amazing that feeling is to know that you can actually identify talent and you can see things in people before they come to full, like come to fruition. It just feels amazing. And that's like sort of like our craft as publishers or A&Rs. That's like what we get to do. And that was just like one of my, you know, incredible feelings or being in the studio with Khalid and Kendrick and Soundwave when they made the ways on the Black Panther album, you know, and, and seeing Khalid go in and write with someone he's looked up to for like years and years and years. And, knowing he just graduated high school like a year and a half ago. Like it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 19, you know? <laughs> right. So those are the reasons that you do this and it feels, you know, so amazing. So that's just the short version of my journey. There's a lot of holes yeah. in between, but <laughs> I'll spare you those. No, that's dope. Okay, so let's talk about um, when music creators are looking for a publishing deal. Like in your opinion, when is the right time for a music creator to seek a publishing deal? Definitely when you have music out in the market, when you have a song on the radio, when you have songs on Spotify that are streaming well, that's when, you know, we're different. Publishers are different from labels in the sense that labels will give you a budget based on, you know, you going out to make a project 
to make a creative project, an album, an EP. Um, they'll invest in you, you know, to actually create that content. Publishers monetize off of songs actually being on the radio, songs being streamed. So if there's nothing out and you're sitting on great records, that's great in some cases. Like it's rare you can get a publishing deal if someone believes in you and they see the potential and the value. But more often than not, we collect on records that are, you know, on the radio. So if there's nothing to collect on, it's harder for us to monetize or understand how to place a value other than creative, a monetary value on, you know, um, pipeline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once once you have records that are out, okay, that's when. What are a few key factors um, which music creators should have in mind when searching for the right publishing deal? Um. Hmm, that's a, another great question. Um, you know, understanding the company as a whole, understanding their roster of talent, because, you know, like a label, you don't want to sign where there's maybe, you know, artists that are very similar to you because you may become a priority, you may, you may not become a priority. So understanding the roster of talent, understanding if that roster will you know, is like you, not like you, or, or people that you want to work with. So I would say that would be like a basic quality. And then understanding the services that that publisher has to offer. Um, that's really, really, really important because some publishers are full service. Some are just collections. They'll just collect on behalf of your catalog, but they don't actually provide the services for you. So it really depends on what you're missing or what you feel like your team needs to enhance, then you sort of can take the, you can take that missing piece and say, okay, this publishing company is really good at label services. That's something that I'm, I don't have a label deal yet, but I'm, I'm shopping for a label deal. Great. They can help me sort of get my music out in the marketplace. They can, um, you know, I'm really a, a lot more interested in sync, uh, sync opportunities. Oh, this publisher has a great sync department. They're really strong in that area. That's probably somewhere I would suggest that you look at. So it just depends on what services you're looking for and you feel like that publisher can sort of enhance and bring to your team. I mean, I'm a little biased. I think Sony is the best publishing company. <laughs> you know, we are the number one publishing company. We're the biggest publisher in terms of catalog, not in terms of volume of writers and producers and artists we have signed, we have a bigger catalog. So that gives us the ability to leverage that catalog in a way that other publishers can't. So we were the first with Pandora to create an agreement to be paid from Pandora. We were the first to create an agreement with Spotify to actually collect from Spotify. And then all the other publishers sort of get to follow because they really, there's not a lot they can do without, you know, accessing our catalog. We have the Beatles catalog. We have Michael Jackson's catalog, you know, Motown's catalog. So there's so many ways that we can sort of leverage our catalog, which helps us to provide better services for our songwriters. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's backtrack again for a moment. With regard to the first question of this interview, I started it by saying there are so many misconceptions here about music publishing. So mm -hmm. specifically with regard to hip hop, are there any misconceptions which you would like to dispel about music publishing? Um, hmm. 
Are there any misconceptions? Um, yeah, that publishers, you know, the right publishing partner will work will work so hard for you. They will go the extra mile. They will go the extra distance. It's so important to get to know the team, to get to know their work, to get to know them as people. Um, because if you're just looking for a check, there are publishers out there who will just give you a check, but they won't provide the services. So I would say those, like that's one of the most important factors. You really got to know the people you're in business with and have the relationships. Like we know this business is about relationships. So making sure that you have the relationships across the board, not just with one person at a publishing company, but, you know, several people, you understand their team, you understand, you know, ASCAP, we were so fortunate, we had an amazing team. And as a unit, we worked really, really well together. And it's the same thing at Sony ATV. As a team, there's nothing we can't tackle, we can't get to. And the synergy we have from our team in New York to our team in LA, we're just on it. We do a lot together. We work really well together. So our writers get the benefit of everyone on our team. So that to me would be would probably be it. Got it. I hope I answered your question. No, you really... did. And okay, you're very okay, thorough good. in all your answers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's chat a bit about sampling. There is a okay. plethora of sampling in hip hop, as we both know. Yeah. One might even argue that it has become an art in hip hop. Do you believe mm-hmm. songs containing samples are less unique? And can you speak to the proper way for music creators to clear samples? Um I'm kind of a fan of sampling. I mean, you know, well, okay, let me rephrase. That's not actually entirely true. Okay. I'm a fan when you understand your sample, how your sample is going to uh, get licensed in advance. Okay. Meaning there are some samples that you can utilize. People will not give you publishing on. So you can, let's just say, uh, I can't remember the song, but I had a situation where an artist or producer sampled a record and the the person who actually owned the publishing would not clear the sample. So basically 50% of that record was completely gone. So they only left 50% shares to split up between you know the artist, the writer, the producer, that can hurt you on a on a business level if you don't understand how you're going to um, how much shares you're giving up of a record when you sample in advance. Okay, and one thing a publisher can do is you can always go to your publisher and ask for records that are not going to take up a lot of publishing. Like so, they can give you a list of uh, you know a laundry list of songs that you can sample that maybe will only take a, a a small amount of your publishing. So in that situation, I am a fan because I love old school music. I love the '90s. I love the '80s. You know, so it's always cool to hear an older record with a fresh approach or an older sample with a fresh approach. Um, but understand the business before you just completely get creative. I think that's the warning that I would give to producers or songwriters because that sample could end up taking all of your publishing and then you really didn't make any money off of a record that could have been a hit. And there are records out there like that. Yeah. And that's a shame, you know? Yeah. 
Well, thank you for bringing some light to that because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to hear this episode and they need to hear that part. (laughs) So thank you for that. So the music industry has certainly shifted over the last 10 years, especially with the rise of music streaming. With this in mind, Mm -hmm. how would you describe the current state of music publishing? Um... You know, we're still sort of figuring out the streaming aspect because it's so new. So, you know, as as technology evolves, you know, and as the world evolves, then, you know, publishers will always have to stay current with the, you know, sort of the trends that are happening in the world and with technology. And we're getting a lot closer. We're in a better place streaming wise than we were. Um, So you'll actually start to see over the next few years a rise of uh of money being collected off of streaming, which is great news. Um, And it's great. It's a small victory for publishers because, you know, I I love Taylor Swift's approach because songwriters are always the ones who are sort of taking a hit when it comes to being paid for, um, you know, companies utilizing their records. And I think that it's We've sort of gotten a great victory lately where we're going to be able to collect more. And that's a victory for songwriters. And I hope that as time goes on, you know, the value um, will continue to increase and people will appreciate, you know, the, the people behind the music, basically. So let's talk a little bit about artist development. Okay. In your opinion. My favorite subject, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> So in your opinion, how has artist development changed and are artists expected to be developed before signing a publishing deal? Um, Yes, I would say now, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, social media earlier. Um, Getting entering into a label deal and a publishing deal, you know, the sort of the social climate right now is that artists have all all this access. You know, there's there's so many platforms that your music can be heard, streamed. Um, people have access to music in a way in which they've never had before. I mean, I'm in a you know in a store and I can hit Shazam and find out who that artist is, what that song is. So yes, I would say there's definitely sort of like. Uh, a social climate that says you should have a presence. You should have done some of that work yourself. You should be in that process yourself. But I also think the right partner will see the value in maybe helping you get it all the way down the field and, and, and really taking it to that final stage. But artists do need to, you know, have their content together. They do need to, you know, be on their social media game, Instagram, you know, putting records out, you know, through Spotify, through SoundCloud, through TuneCore. You know, there's so many platforms where you can put your music out into, you know, the marketplace now. There's really no reason that an artist shouldn't have a little bit more of a buzz when they're seeking a label and a publishing deal. Yeah. So two last questions here. What advice or final advice do you have for aspiring music creators? You know, just just persevere always in all ways. Like you have to cut through because once you do, we will find you. We will hear about you. Someone will know about you. We will seek you out. So, you know, making sure that 
if you're, you know, trying to figure out a job because you need to obviously pay your rent, utilize all of your resources, go get a job in a music studio, you know, become an intern, um, you know, volunteer with your performance rights organization for events, like utilize every single resource out there. Google is like amazing. Like you can type anything in Google or ask Siri anything and she will damn near give you the answer. So utilize every single resource you have, whether it's BMI, CSAC, ASCAP, uh, TuneCore, Spotify, Instagram, um, the Grammys, you can become a member of the Grammys. You can volunteer for their events. They always need people to help with events. So I think volunteering, interning, working at studios, you have to really seek a non-traditional approach and think, be creative when you want to have access to people, to, um, you know, services, to studio time even. That's what I would say. You have to really, really be creative and and go for it. You can't look back and you can't sort of say, why am I not cutting through? Got it. Lastly, Jennifer, how can folks connect with you following today's episode? Yeah, I would say the best way is Instagram. Um, and my Instagram handle is Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, S like Sam, and then Drake, like the rapper, D-R-A-K-E. So Jenny S. Drake, um, you know, I'm I'm always doing um, events with ASCAP and BMI um, showcases. I'm always at showcases, and I'm always sort of just in the culture, finding out about things. And you know, make sure you have a great attorney because attorneys are also a really good way that we stay connected to, you know, artists and songwriters and producers. So, those would be some of my suggestions. Well, that's a wrap here on today's episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me, rate us on iTunes, and follow us on social media at TuneCore. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 